Mac Power Users, Episode 137, Workflows with Aisha Tyler. Hey, everybody. This is David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. And we've got a celebrity superstar guest this week. Welcome, Aisha Tyler. <laughs> I don't know how to say anything after that particular introduction, but I'm here. That's what I'll confirm. I won't confirm superstar the thing, but I'll just say that I'm actually present. Well, <laughs> you, well you you're know. an actress. You're a stand-up comedian. You're a podcaster. You're a gamer. You're an author. And you're a geek. Did I cover all the bases? I, I think you got most of them. Just hunted by fears of inadequacy is why I do so many things. But yeah, and- I do all those things. And your mother nature. So. I am mother nature. And- <laughs> I mean, I mean, we never had a force of nature on the show That's before. Exciting. But I, yes, that I, that dress was so comfortable. No, I think you are one. And you know, it's funny because we do know we've got some celebrity listeners, and it's really great because we love knowing that you know we have an impact out there and people are listening. Mm-hmm. But but not all of them are like you. I mean, you are what I would call a serial creator. Uh, you, you just keep doing stuff. And I've been watching you from afar for a long time. So I was really thrilled when I found out you were a fan of ours because, because we're both huge fans of yours. And like Katie said, you do a lot of stuff and turns out you do a lot of it with your Apple tech mm-hmm. and, uh, and you, um, you've created quite a bit. So I thought it'd be really fun to sit down for a little bit and talk to you. I'm excited. Well, the first thing I'll say is I'm, I'm actually thrilled and flattered that you notice that I do a lot of, I make a lot of stuff because that's like a big part of my life. And I just spoke, I was, I hosted uh, the Interactive Awards at South by Southwest this year. And I talked about being an art shark, like the idea that you have to be moving, moving, creating all the time and being focused and being motivated, but, but not being mired or, um, or trapped by, you know, kind of your own fears or self-doubt. And uh, so I, I coined the term art shark there, which is that, you know, you're always like trying to move and adapt and you have to keep going. Um, and sometimes that can result in, in um, you're not always doing, uh, you're not always meticulous in creation, but you're definitely making a lot of stuff. And my legacy may not be good, but it's really big. <laughs> well, you know, but that's kind of the way you get there in my experience. Like you, I, I like to do stuff too, and I like to make things. And it really has, it's given me a new life as I, in my 40s. You know, the, the Max Sparky thing kind of took off and it gave me an opportunity to create in public because I used to do a lot of music and all these other things. But now I'm really enjoying it, you know, writing books and doing blog entries and making podcasts. And it's to the point where, consuming stuff for me is really boring. You know, mm-hmm. just going to watch a movie or watch TV. I just have to admit, I, I don't do that much of that anymore because it's more fun to sit down and, and write a song mm-hmm. or, or make a book or do something like that. And I think that's becoming an, a thing for people. Right. And, and as it becomes a thing, it becomes harder and harder to figure out where do you focus your attention? Mm-hmm. And, and you've talked a lot about that, and I think you've got some really great ideas with respect to those questions because you've got these amazing opportunities to you based on your success, and and now you're facing the issue of, of where do you stop and where do you say yes? Right. Well, yes. I mean, that's a big dilemma now, I think, after years of wanting to and, – and let me just say I don't think I'm – normal in the sense that I really do prefer the agonizing margin between extremely busy and panic attack. Like I prefer that like narrow little gutter there. I, 
I'm, I'm do my best work. And I, I took me a very long time to see this and then accept it that I do my best work when I'm freaking the, uh, the hell out. So, um, if I have a lot of time on my hands, I find that very, I'm not like an idle hands person. I don't start like, you know, drinking and, and, and sleeping with, uh, hookers. Although I don't judge you if you do whatever you, whatever close you wrote, but I, you know, I, I, but, but idle hands make me very anxious. So I love to be in the midst of creating all the time. That said, what I'm finding now, the more opportunities I have, um, I've got to create some time for daydreaming. I've got to create some time to like have the engine turn off. I do love, I am a fan. I am a fan girl. I do love consuming entertainment. I do love seeing what other artists are doing. I like to stop and put things in and, when I don't have those windows, um, that's, you know, it's very much like all work, no play makes Aisha, um, have a psychotic break. So I'm now really actively trying to be more selective so that I do better work on the things that I do focus my time on. And that is hard to do. Cause I, um, you know, if I see an opportunity, any creative opportunity that, that interests me, especially if it's a scary one that I I'm afraid I won't do properly, I immediately say yes to it because I love to be terrified creatively. And I love to figure out how to do things. And that's why technology is such a big part of my life, because I don't like to ask other people to do things. I like to just do them on my own and figure them out by Googling and by trial and error. And I prefer creative flaws and mistakes that are my own to creative perfection that is some, or, or maybe not perfection, that's not the right word, but to kind of technical perfection that came from somebody else. So, um, I, you know, I have just, when I wanted to make a podcast, I don't have an engineer. I don't have a producer. I just went on the internet and I read about how to make a podcast and I started making a podcast and the show's two years old now. And, um, I still am the producer and the engineer and I edit the show and I conform it and I upload it. And until recently, I also had built the website from scratch, which... I have to tell you, David and Katie, I figured out how to do that because I was listening to Mac Power Users, the David Wayne episode, and David Wayne was talking about building his website. And you were like, oh, who built that? And he was like, I did. And David, you were shocked. And then uh, he said he did an iWeb. And then I ran and got iWeb and built a website for myself. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and then Apple kind of left you hanging on that one. They let me swing with my bare bottom in the breeze. So I'm not really thrilled about that. But the experience of building a website was really... um, like I learned so much about what I thought worked in a website and I really focused on simplicity because I didn't have unlimited amount of time to do it. So the website was very spare, which actually ended up functionally being great for the user. And then, um, when, when Apple, you know, gave me, you know, kissed me off personally, I take it very personal that they discontinued yeah. support of iWeb. Um, I had an outside house build a new website modeled on the old one in WordPress, which I now maintain. So they built it for me because I just didn't have the man hours personally, but I am now maintain it as well. But you're doing, so are you doing your security updates and everything? You know, we split, we split, uh, that, uh, that, uh, task because, um, the last time I tried to do an update, it like messed up all my formatting and my plugins and stuff. And then I just didn't have time to figure it out. I was like, ugh, there's some Facebook conflict and like, uh, you know, I barely want to deal with Facebook w- with my status updates. So they, they, we kind of split that up. Like if there's some major update, I have them come in, but, um, all the, all the content maintenance is, is me. I have to admit, even I don't have the stomach to deal with WordPress updates anymore. I just let Katie do it or <laughs> the whole thing goes to hell. <laughs> I, just the I feel like there's a million of them and, and you know, it, I don't know because it's open source. It's like, I don't know. I mean, how many of them are important and 
that there's like, I have things in there. I'm like, I don't even use this thing. Why is it here? But I don't want to delete it because who knows, you know, I delete it and all of a sudden, you know, everything inverts to black and, you know, then I'm sending spam to all my fans. I have no idea. So I, I, but I, all the content updating, I still made, I wanted a website that I could update at like 2.30 in the morning from Omaha. And, and that's what I do now. But, but the site does look really good. It's, it's AishaTyler.com. And the podcast you were talking about, we didn't do a very good job of, of explaining all the stuff you're doing, uh, <laughs> is Girl on Guy, which is a, a really great podcast where you interview guys about stuff. I and do. It's, it's, a, it's really fun. I, I enjoy it because I like Lost and you did a couple episodes with some of the Lost people. Yes. And, you know, I'm, it's, I'm, well, I'm, it's just kind of self-indulgent nerdery. I, you know, I... Originally, I was like, let me just see if I like podcasting. I'd been a guest on other, like I'd been a guest on The Nerdist and Chris Hardwick and I are good friends. And I'd been, I was one of Adam Carolla's first guests when he launched his podcast. And so I loved long form conversation. And I thought, I'll just see if I like this. And then I loved it. And the show quickly evolved from being kind of, let me talk to my friends to let me stalk artists who I admire. And I was telling somebody the other day, it's rare that I have an hour and a half conversation with my family members let you know anyone like my, my good friends you know everything is texts and tweets and i'll meet you at the bar and then we yell at each other for 45 minutes so to sit in a room with someone whose work you admire and have an, a 90 minute conversation is extraordinarily luxurious and this show has evolved into so, something akin to the conversation we're having now which is how did you get to where you are now you know what drove you what have you had to overcome and then you know a bunch of ridiculous stories about drinking and falling down but um it's a nice balance for me because I feel like everybody looks at people that are done interesting things and they, it seems inscrutably difficult and how do they do it? And the show tries to unpack, you know, how a world-class snowboarder got to be that way or how Anthony Bourdain came to be Anthony Bourdain. And, uh, and I just get to moon over Anthony Bourdain for an hour and a half, which is rad. Right. And you sent us some information on this. You're like, yes, I use a Shure 58 microphone with a custom splitter and an iPad Fire app, uploaded into iTunes, and I edit it. And I'm just like, whoa! If you knew how Aisha's my kind of geek. If you knew how low tech our little show is over here. But what's funny is I have other friends who are podcasting who kind of did a bigger base investment, like hired a producer and they've got a big soundboard and. Uh, like I had the champs come and do, they came to me and interviewed me for their show. And they just had like three guys and then another guy and then a big bag of stuff. And, and quite honestly, my, I also wanted a kit that I could take on the plane. Cause when I travel, I, you know, I started my show at Comic-Con and I wanted a kit that I could take to Comic-Con and it would be easy to get around. And one person could carry it. So it's very compacted. I could fit my entire show set up into a, a like a, good sized purse. Uh, and I record onto my iPad and it's very simple. I mean, I, to me, it's about the conversation. I don't want the audio quality to be good, but I, you know, I'm not remixing the white album, so I'm just trying to make it simple and straightforward. Well, I kind of dig that you're recording into the iPad. I mean, Katie and I, we do shows at MacWorld and stuff. We still use a portable recorder. We haven't got the guts to do it on an oh, iPad. Oh, be yet. brave! Yeah. Be and brave! We never figure out how that little thing works. We always have to look at it like three times. Is it recording? Is it recording? Are you sure it's recording? Yeah. Is it the little thing you sit down on the table and it has little microphones shooting out of it? That thing? Yes, it yes. does. But then it also okay. has uh, it has XLR jacks that you can. Plug into your right, yeah. Plug into a board or something. Controllers. Um, I completely forget the name of that, Katie. What is that thing called? It is the um, uh, the is it's a Shure something? No, 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 it's not Shure. Is it the blue? The blue test thing? I love it. 
We're I will so find techie. it and stick it in the show notes. <laughs> I, I, I stick it in a drawer and then I pull it out every time, you know, we go up there and, and then I don't use it again for another year. And so you have to relearn to use it every year. <laughs> Maybe it's time to just go it's into time. an iPad and it's call it so a day. It's so time. You know, so many fans wrote and said, I want to start a, a podcast. What do you use? That there are tech notes at the bottom of the splash page of growingguy.net. It's exactly what my setup is with links to buy all the equipment. It costs, if you already own an iPad, it's was very inexpensive. You know, the iPad was the biggest expense and I already had one, you know, for playing, you know, Plants vs. Zombies. So um, it's being put to much more important use now. And, uh, and it's, it's just served me so well that I, I um, you know, I like, to, I like technology to empower art and I never want it to be like the technology is either distracting me from what I'm trying to create or, um, you know, so difficult to master that that's where all my energy goes. I, you know, I'm not an early adopter. I'm like, um, I'm like a, you know, trying to think of what's after beta. You know what I mean? Like I'm post beta that I needed to work. I do not want to figure it out. Um, and technology for me enables me to do a lot of things, but I, I don't get a thing. And then I'm like, oh, I bought that thing. And it's a DeLorean. I've never, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not interested in being that person. DeLoreans are cool. The, the, the one DeLorean that has been turned into an amphibious boat and is parked at the marina is very cool to look at. <laughs> if it has torpedoes. If it if had it torpedoes and it shot uh, out like caltrops and sent yeah, oil slicks. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be right, so, and, and it had extra tires in the trunk and an oil slick, you know, yeah, so you can exactly. like shoot it. The, uh, but I'll tell you, I think that's why people like this Apple stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I know in my case that's true because when I open the lid on my laptop, I want to – write a song or I want to write a book or I want to do something for my day job. I I want to do something. Mm -hmm. What I don't want to do when I open it up is spend a bunch of time uh, defragging, um, checking for viruses, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the stuff that, you know, computers traditionally told us we needed to do before we could actually do the stuff we love. And I think Apple's done a really good job over the years of giving us that experience. And that's why I've always had this thing about Apple users. Almost every person I know who has Apple products has got this big left side brain and they do something creative. And it might be making flapjacks or it might be uh, making a TV show. I I don't know, but it seems like everybody I know and, and the listeners too, whenever I hear from them, they're always doing something really creative. And it just seems to me that the platform gets those kind of people. Right. I mean, you know, to me, and and I do every, like I was just doing an interview yesterday and I set my bag down and one of the producers picked it up and he's like, oh my God, this is heavy. Like it has every single device that I work on is with me all the time. My, my MacBook Pro, my iPad, uh, I have an iPod Touch and I have my iPhone, then I have my Android phone. Those go with me everywhere so that I'm always kind of ready but to me, this, you know, what this platform does is it, it just empowers you to go, to create. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so powerful. And just in the last, you know, it's really interesting because you asked me like all the things I do with my computer. So in the last year, you know, I built a website. I made two music videos. I wrote a film script. I wrote a book that's coming out in a couple of months. I, um, you know, I post my podcast every week. And all of, all of that is just about end product. You know what I mean? It's so – people have to go, well, like, what's your workflow? And I can describe my workflow because it's become kind of second nature to me. But for me, it's just about I want to make this thing. And I know if I open the top to this computer, the answer to creating this thing is inside. It, it's all in there. And I – I mean, the only bad thing about it is I feel like 
it reduces, at least for me, but I'm kind of, I like people, but I'm kind of a solitary creator. It reduces the amount of time I'm forced to interact with other artists or, or peers. Um, but, you know, I really want to direct films and, and, you know, that seems inscrutable to anyone. And I just was like, well, I'm just going to start making stuff. So, you know, I, I wanted to make a music video to open my last comedy special. Um, we, we already were shooting up in San Francisco. I asked the crew to, to shoot an extra six hours. I took all that stuff and I just cut it and I delivered it to the network. And that's just something I couldn't have done, you know, a, a decade ago or maybe even with the same power and the same effectiveness, you know, five or six years ago the quality level wouldn't have been as high. And I just feel like, you know, it levels the playing field in a way that I think is nothing but good for art across the board because more art means more good art. It means more bad art too. But percentage-wise, you're still going to get more interesting, compelling, crazy, inventive, delightful, disgusting, you know, wonderful art. And so that's what the, that comes back to the volume thing, which is I just makes enough stuff that some of it's going to be hopefully relatively good. Well, it's just, uh, you know, everything to me surrounds Star Wars at some point, at some level, <laughs> right? And I remember when I was a little kid in 1970, was it six or 78? I was, I was young. I was like eight years old. And, and I saw the lightsaber light up on screen and I'm like, whoa, how do they do that? And to me, it was magic. And now kids, my daughter at, at, at her high school, that's like a regular thing where they make videos and they put lightsabers in them. It's just, it just happens. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. well, what's the quote? It's, I want to say it's Vonnegut, but I might be wrong, that technology sufficiently advanced is, is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, right? I don't know who said that, but I hear it quoted It's all my the time. favorite quote. Well, it's not my favorite yeah. quote, but it's my favorite quote right now. It seems more impactful if I say it's my favorite quote. Um, yeah. And, you know, so the, the, this is just a bunch of crap about me, but... Um, so this weekend, because now I'm at the point where I am like, I love technology and I feel so comfortable around it. And I'm like trying to incorporate it into more aspects of my life. So I drove a Tesla. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Company. Oh, yeah. I drove yeah. a Tesla. I drove a Fisker and that company's going away. It's very sad because that's a beautiful car. And I don't even care if that solar panel doesn't do anything. It looks so, it looks like, like a, it looks like a green Batmobile. It's the greatest car, but that company's going away. Anyway, I drove a Tesla. Well, the Tesla has a 17-inch touchscreen in the dashboard that just looks like a giant iPad. And yeah, it, I've seen pictures of that. It looks and feels and works. It pinched, you know, pinched to, to shrink and two fingers spread to enlarge. And in every way is just that same. And they, you know, from what I understand, there's some engineers and some designers from Apple that have moved to Tesla. It's so intuitive that like, I got in and I knew exactly how to do everything in that car immediately. Immediately. I was like, oh, I'm going to open the window. Oh, I'm going to turn on the air conditioning. And oh, and, and then it's Bluetooth wirelessly incorporated all of my contacts in my phone the minute I sat down. Again, like that's where we are right now, which is just like how many ways can technology make my life awesome and, and make all of my dreams come true? You know, make my, dream, make my dreams come true, which is I'm going to make a video with my daughter where she's got lightsabers. I mean, come on. Lightsabers yeah. are, are, aren't real, but so exciting to put those in the video of your kid. And so it's not just look at my daughter dancing ballet. It's look at my daughter dancing ballet and then Kung Fuing a guy in a tutu and then bonking him on the head with a lightsaber. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Arthur C. Clark, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I wanted it to be Vonnegut, cool. but I'll give it to Clark. He was, that makes sense actually that Clark would say that. He was more sciencey focused and a little earlier. In, yeah. I mean, a lot earlier, obviously in his writing life. 
So I, I had no idea that you were interested in, in directing because I've been watching all the other stuff you do. So just I'd like to rewind just for a minute. So you were doing a shoot for something and you said, OK, guys, give me six more hours of footage. And you decided you were going to cut that into a music video. So my com- my first comedy special um, was for Comedy Central. And I sold it to a pro- I sold the special to a production house that gave me a budget. And part of that budget was to go to hire a producer. And it was going to cost, you know, this a fee. Plus, I was going to have to fly people back and forth from New York to L.A. The producers that everybody wanted me to use. And, and I just thought, God, why am I wasting all this money on a, like extra bodies? And so at my management company, I just, we did, none of us took a fee. I didn't take a fee for the special. And we just took that extra money and put it into the special. And I thought, you know, a million comedy specials come on TV all the time. And it's like, welcome to the stage, blah, blah, blah. Then you walk out, comedy for 45 minutes, and then you go, you know, you walk back. I just wanted to do something that kind of was a little bit of a manifesto about who I was. And so I was shooting in my hometown in San Francisco. And I just had the crew come in a day early. And we just shot this music video that kind of was you know, like a statement about who I am, you know, it was an original song. I wrote the lyrics and we just shot it all over San Francisco and then I just cut it together. And it's the video is called, um, no ass at all. And it's on YouTube. It's on my Facebook page and it's become like this kind of statement piece about me. And, um, it plays before all my, my live standup shows now. And that was just, um, bonus material. You know, I ended up also creating a behind the scenes video that wasn't in the budget as well. We delivered that it's in the extras on the DVD and, um, because I also think that, you know, I, I feel like today it's such a cluttered field. You want to try to add as much value as you can. But for me, it was also like, let me create something that I can point to later that I can say I made this. So then after that, I made another music video with Funny or Die. Uh, and then I made a third action video that wasn't a music video. Um, that was a charity piece that Pepsi funded for Wounded Warriors. And then last summer, I shot a music video for Silver Sun Pickups that's going to go up in a couple of weeks. And then I just shot another video for the band Clutch. So I essentially just, you know, I could have hired a crew and a bunch of guys. And I just went to friends of mine and said, hey, I'll come. And if you, let, if you give me all access to you guys for the day, you know, two days while you're, while you're touring and let me shoot everything you do, I'll just give you a few music videos. So, you know, you, your, my fee is your time and, and like unfettered access to you. And then as a gift, I'll give you a piece of fan art. And that's been really that's worked out beautifully. I mean, you know, opportunity for me to shoot. I've done all the shooting. Um, I shoot on a Canon um, 5D and, uh, and then I, I cut it in Final Cut Pro and it's, I'm a one woman band and it's great because it's my creative vision and it, it's imperfect, but it's interesting. And I try to do something that feels like it captured. I mean, I only shoot bands I'm a fan of and so they really are pieces of fan art and hopefully I turn in something they're excited about. And so that's been, that's now a new thing where I'm just trying to direct as many short form pieces as I can. And I also feel like if you're a director, you need to understand everything about how a set works. So um, I spent, whenever I'm on a set, I, whenever I'm not shooting, I'm just sitting behind the director, just shadowing them and asking questions. And that's the best way to learn. Oh yeah. Plus people love to talk about themselves as you can tell with my rambling. So especially directors, right? Yeah, they do. They do. They love it. You know? But, They're the entertainment equivalent of lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and twi- and and yeah, twice as hot-headed. Um, yeah, no, it's it, 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 for me. It seems it's such an, a cliched kind of uninteresting statement to be like, oh, I'd like to direct, and I I I don't 
feel, I mean, it's good to visualize what you want to do, but I'm just a doer. So I just was like, I'm just going to start directing stuff and I'm just going to generate so much material that when it comes to time to, for me to do a feature, I'll just be undeniable. I'll just be able to point to all the things I've already done and they'll go, well, how did you do that? I'm like, I made it myself. I made that myself. I made that myself and you know, suck it. <laughs> that's re- you know that's really inspirational. I mean, so you want to direct, and you just went and found some band. First, you did your own work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because nobody you can't say no to yourself. Exactly. I am. I'm, then, I'm, a, I'm fabulous to work with, by the way. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. and so then you so you've got a toehold, and then you say, okay, well now I'll go find somebody that I like and who likes me, and and I'll tell them I'm going to do this. And you don't care if you make a bunch of money or a little money, but no. you're going to get something made. And now all of a sudden you've got four or five videos. And just describing this to us, you started out with an introductory video for your own comedy special, but now you're doing real videos for real bands that mm-hmm. just has nothing to do with anything you're creating. And I, I think that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can make the mistakes along the way. I don't know if you listened. We did a show with uh, Greg Jardine, who's a music video director, mm-hmm. uh, episode 105. And he did some really cool ones with interesting uh, photography techniques. Like he did the one. The Jelly Bean. Was, yeah, the Jelly. Who was the artist on that? I love Jelly Beans. I can I can hear the song in my head. I can't remember the artist, but it was it was stop. It wasn't stop motion, but it was still. I guess it was stop motion, but it was still frame one by it one by stop. one. Yeah, stop motion. And the yeah. the the entire music video is, um, you know, creating scenes with jelly beans in the background, and the artist is yeah. in the front singing. Tina Granis. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love and, uh, jelly beans. I think that's a great idea. He. It's something like you know they had. You know, ten gazillion jelly bellies in the shop, and they would lay them out. And she laid on top of a piece of glass, and they mounted the camera in the ceiling. And then they would slide this tray underneath her, and they would lay out all the jelly beans. And then they'd take a picture, and then they take the jelly beans out and adjust them. They put I them have back to under. tell you that that I do not have an, even a morsel of the patience required to do something like that like <laughs> on that level. Well, it's great. And then they did a um. They did a you know making of video of it, uh-huh. and I watched that because my kids were watching the video, and I was sitting there watching on TV, going, "That's amazing!" Yeah. And so I looked the guy up. You know, I opened my little laptop because it's got all the answers to everything, mm-hmm. and I saw this picture of Greg and this video of him, and he did it all in a Mac on a, and I think a Canon five D or something that he had mounted to the ceiling, mm-hmm. and immediately I'm like, "Okay, we're doing a show with this guy." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well that kind of I mean it's interesting because I I always love hearing how other artists use technology and what whatever idea forms in their brains, how they execute, because it's just so interesting to hear. Like, I would just know, I like, I can see that. It's like, that's so cool and so innovative. And I can't wait to watch it. As soon as we are done here, I'm going to immediately watch it. Um, But you would just find me lying on my back with a mouthful of jelly beans. Like I'm done. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) It's not, you know, um, I'm friends with, um, with Trey Parker, Matt Stone. And we were talking about when they did Team America World Police and it was like stop motion with puppets and they, yeah. you know and they both were like about to lose their minds you know that that, yeah. that kind of so and I, I think it's a, it's great to hear how other artists minds work um, I am definitely more like running gun dogma 2013 you know like shoot everything um, and and get everything and be you know in up inside things and see what happens and and I like to discover, so um, you know I I'm always excited about uh, having a plan and then having something magical happen on the day that was not in my plan at all. Uh, so I, I just I already can tell you that I'm going to be thinking about eating jelly beans and thinking that this guy on the walls and Gromit guy needs some kind of a medal for their utter patience. They must have incredible marriages because they must he, be the most patient people ever. 
he did another one of an unreleased Ramon song and Ooh. they, they did it in New York city and they'd take a picture of a person and then they'd walk down the street like 20 steps. And then they'd take another picture and they'd have the person form each syllable. So they had like kind of a reference mm-hmm. and then they would like to, and the, and they'd t- keep each person for, you know, five or six seconds of the song, which would be, you know, 50 or 60 frames. And then they would get to another person, but they were, they had one of Joey's Ramon's jackets that they were every, every actor wore that as the, and they went through the whole city of New York. It's this, you know, Greg does some really great That's stuff. Extraordinary. You'll have to check it out, but you're right. It takes monumental patience oh, yeah. to do this stuff now, but I want to talk about when you get back after you're out shooting these things, you get back, you said you do them in final cut. Now are you using the new version of final cut or I haven't transitioned to the new speed. I, I, so I have two mm. computers I know. And I'm see, that's the thing when I say I'm not like a full on like alpha slash beta adopter. Like I need, I, when I master something, I like fluidity. So I don't like to like my, so little side note, the way I found your show was that my husband is a huge Mac nerd, like way bigger of a Mac nerd than me. And he listens right. to your show. So when we take road trips, we have like dueling podcasts. So like listen to a comedy podcast. <laughs> you pick we'll one, listen. I pick yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Then we'll listen to Mac Power Users. Then we'll listen to Stuff You Should Know. Then we'll listen to Mac Power Users. He oh, loves... going to like kill you. I mean, <laughs> we're so boring compared to the comedy podcast. I, I, w- I will tell you that it's it's a nice kind of palate cleanser after like Mark Aaron's <laughs> podcast to listen to you guys. It's very nice. It's, it's soothing. You know, it's like putting the baby in the back seat and driving around. So, um, but I learned so That's much listening knows. to your show. Yes, exactly. No, but I've learned so much listening to your show and it's really helped me. But he is so much more technical so like he found launch, he found launch bar on your show and so then he taught me launch bar and I was like I don't want to learn anything new and he's like learn it and now I use it now he switched to a totally different uh, application manager it makes me we so just, we just did a show on you, Alfred yes, sorry about that I blame you for all of my problems <laughs> I've just learned this other thing and it's it's seamless I like seamlessness I like to not think about my keystrokes I just go 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 so we just upgraded to the new Final Cut and on my I have a uh, like I'm a, I have a pro, a Mac pro on my desktop. And yeah. then I have my MVP that I travel with. And I usually cut on because just it's powerful enough and it has enough storage. And I never know if I'm going to be cutting at home or on a plane. And so I hate, and I have a lot of things in Dropbox, but you can't have big media files in Dropbox. It's just too difficult. So I, I just usually tend to cut on my MVP. But so my MVP still has the old version of Final Cut. My desktop computer at home has the new version of Final Cut, which I just avoid. And occasionally I click on it in the dock and it opens and then I close it immediately because I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready to rip that Band-Aid off. It, it's a big switch. I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt you're going to have to spend some time learning it. It's, you can't just like open it and go. And I don't read. I'm not a manual reader. I just start working until I hit a wall. Then I go to the page and the in, I go to the index and find the page that answers my problem. I solve that problem and I keep going. There you so go. That's fine. It's it's fine, but the problem is then you end up using probably like ten percent of the power of a of, yeah. of a piece of software. There are things you never learn, but I don't have the bandwidth to sit down for two days and just go through Final Cut Pro lear- relearning everything. So, and I cut my podcast in Final Cut, which I know is ridiculous. It's like using a Maserati. I was wondering when you said that. I was like, really. Final Cut? So silly. I, it's, it's like using a Maserati to go to the supermarket. But I know Final Cut very well. And I don't want to learn another program. Yeah. Well, that's fine. And I started using GarageBand and it wasn't powerful enough. For, it just seemed too cl- like clunky. And I, I just, I'm able to razor things in and out and I'm able to, you know, manage levels and I'm able, I mix in Final Cut and I just, GarageBand seemed too simplistic. It seemed like a step backwards for me in terms of, of, of capacity. So, 
No, it's um, definitely a consumer product. I mean, yeah. the, the I guess the natural pro tool for that would be Logic. But in all these years, we've never done our show in Logic. I know, no. I know, Dan at Five by Five does a lot of the shows. I think in Logic, mm-hmm. um, but. It you know whatever works. Well, the uh, thing is, if it's good enough to make a feature film, it's good enough to cut ninety minutes of audio. Yeah. Period, yeah. and it's the same you know the same basic um, functions. So I just you know I just I just cut all my audio in there, and it's just I know it. So you and, you've exposed and my also, weakness. And, but that's okay because you're also making music videos and other stuff in there. Yes. So you get those keyboard shortcuts down. You know exactly how you want things to happen. I've set up all my hotkeys. I know exactly how to do every single thing. It's the great thing about it is it's become in, in the early part, like it would take me an afternoon to cut my show. And now, you know, it takes me like 40 minutes to get it cut, uh, you know, cut like I, you know, I cut the show and then I mix it and then I output it and then I conform it and then I upload it. And it's, you know, these should take me all day and now I get it done, you know, in less than an hour. So do you do um, the levels in Final Cut mm-hmm. Pro? Too? Very simply, very simply. I just, um, I use, I use a filter to take out, you know, <laughs> this is, I do need to like change some of my protocols probably going forward, but, um, I use Levelator to level out my levels. And then, yeah, and then, and yeah, and then I use a, I use a filter to take out the amplified hiss that usually comes with Levelator. It usually amplifies some of your background noise, so I'll use a filter to filter some of that out, a high shell filter, and then I output it the whole piece, and then I bring it back into Final Cut Pro and I compress it just to make sure that the you know the highs and the lows are not too high or too low, uh, and that's it. It's very simple. Um, Do you take requests? I mean, can we like Dropbox UR files and maybe you can work <laughs> no. on those? No. <laughs> I, I fantasize often about Dropboxing my show to somebody else, but I just, um, I, I know what I want and it's just so much simpler for me to do it myself. And, uh, and there's just, there, the nice thing that I, I earn is the flexibility to wait until the last minute if I'm busy and just get the show done at two in the morning. And if I was relying on another person, I'd have to get it to them and give them ample time and be fair to them and their schedule and their lives. And um, I, I just, it's never, it is, I, my life is just too crazy to be like, I'll, I promise to get you the show at 5 p.m. on Monday, you know, so... Um, but yeah, I could barely get my own work done. Haha. <laughs> so, so you you really are tied into Final Cut for a lot of your creative work, and you know it's a product that's been you know it's it's not just on the way out. It's 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 obsolete at this point. So at some point you're going to have to take a good look at the new one, and then yeah. the question becomes, how do you effectively do that? I think in your shoes, what I would do is just wait until you do have time between a couple big projects where you've got a day, and then. Like get like a lynda.com or a, was it Mac Pro video account or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. and, and watch people that know what they're doing for a day. Yeah. You know, one thing I started doing more of this past year when I started cutting more video, because my first video visually was pretty simple. But when I started doing music videos for other people, I, I wanted them to, you know, I'm, I'm not a post house, but I wanted to deliver something that felt distinctive was I just started going on YouTube and looking at tutorial videos. You know what I mean? And it, th- those, yeah, yeah they, some of them are as short as two and a half minutes and super simple, super easy to follow. And uh, so you're right. What I need to do is have like a, like a, a, a final cut spa weekend where I just like sit in front of my computer in my pajamas and like pound French press coffee and just luxuriate in the work of others. Cause I'm never, if I'm sitting on my computer and I'm not generating material, I I'm, I'm just riddled with guilt but the idea of spending like a weekend learning, it's almost as luxurious as like 
rec- like recreational reading when I was in college. You remember that? Like reading a book that wasn't for a class in college and feeling yeah. really dirty about it. The so, no points books. Oh, you know? yeah. Where it's like, I'm just reading this for fun. I'm out of control, man. This is science fiction. I'm crazy. Well, well that's how I got my Vonnegut because nobody would assign it to me. I had to go read it. I took I took a sci-fi course my senior year in college, and it was like it was the only class in four years of college that I actually did every single page of reading. <laughs> it was so awesome. You know, usually like if I was like if I did like if I was like eight batting eight hundred in a course, that was like sufficient because you could I just could never. I could never get it all done. You know, you'd get 300 pages of reading every day between all your classes. But that sci-fi class, I read every single word. It was the best term of my life. You know, I was just thinking, so you want to spend a weekend just learning tech, mm-hmm. just staying home learning tech. Mm-hmm. Does your husband have any idea how lucky he is? <laughs> he, he, um, I, I, I feel equally lucky because when I need new technology, he does all the research. So like when I decided I was going to buy a DSLR, I just said, I need a DSLR camera and I think this is what I should get. And then he went away and like C-3PO'd it and came back and was like, boop, 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 boop. This is the camera we're buying. So he's really good. He's like, um, he's like a spreadsheet maker. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like a pros and cons guy. And if I, if I, if I get a new anything, new device, like he, I just know he's going to pick the configuration. That's the best configuration. He's, he's very good on configurability. And every time we buy a new computer, he's like, this is the one we'll be able to upgrade. And here's why solid state is better than like mixed storage. And he's, he's been, yeah, he's rad. I'm ve- I feel very lucky, but he feels lucky because I like to play video games with him. So that's, that's where he scored is that I'm a big gamer. So we play together a lot. Well, I want to talk about that, but we should take a minute and talk about a sponsor. Oh, yeah, let's Uh, do it. So our exclusive sponsor for this episode, because they love you so much, is Mm -hmm. Smile Software. And uh, so the folks at Smile make a couple of great products. They make PDF Pen and they make Text Expander. So I'm going to talk a little bit about about PDF Pen. I totally use PDF Pen. How exciting. I use PDF Pen, too. (laughs) That's awesome. PDF Pen has saved my bacon so many times in two instances in the last week that I just had to talk about on the show. So uh, first thing that happened with PDF Pen, I mean, first off, it, it, it's, it's a great PDF reader, but then it allows you to annotate your PDFs and you can add signatures to your PDFs. You can edit a PDF. If someone sends you a PDF, you can tweak it, whatever it is you need to know. And, and then they've got this great companion app for PDF Pen. They've got PDF Pen for iPad and PDF Pen for iPhone. And so I ended up having to go out of town unexpectedly and um, I had something that was due, and I had to had to get it signed. And so I, I quick o- overnight after I found out that I was going out of town, I, I typed out in draft format in an email to my secretary, and I said, "This is what I need. This is what I need this to say. Can you make it pretty? Can you do it up? Can you add the information at the office that's sitting on my desk that needs to be added?" And then once you've got it all pretty and done what it needs to do, and she said, "Well, how are you going to sign it?" And I said, "Send it to me as a PDF in my email." And she's like, well, what are you going to do? You, can you print it out? Can you, do you have a fax machine? Can you fax it back to me? I said, don't worry about it. Just send it to me in a PDF and an email, and we'll get it taken care of. So she, you know, like magic, gets all this stuff done and emails it off to me in a PDF. I've got my email, my signature saved in PDF pen. Boom, boom, dragged it on a PDF pen from my iPhone. Never even had to drag my computer out and uh, out of my bag and emailed it back to her. And she was so impressed. She's like, I don't know how you did this, but that's pretty cool. And then she was able to take care of filing it and getting it where it wants to. And nobody even knew that I was out of the office that particular day. So that's PDF awesome. pen. 
to the rescue. The other thing when it saved my bacon is that we have this old antiquated program in the office where you can't go back and edit things after they've they've been you know saved in a program more than a certain age. It's this old accounting software that we use and we need to get rid of. And we had to go back and we had to edit entries from several uh, months prior. And so my, my poor assistant was in a position where she was going to have to retype this 26-page document because this stupid program wouldn't let her go in and edit entries. And I was like, huh, I can fix that. So the new version of PDF Pen will allow you to take a PDF and convert it into Word. So we took the, the document. I don't remember if we printed it as a PDF or if we actually scanned it into the computer as a PDF. I clicked a button, took less than two minutes, and this 26-page document was almost perfectly uh, outputted as a Word PDF, emailed it off to her, saved the day, saved hours and hours and hours of retyping. So PDF pen is awesome. Awesome. That is awesome. The whole world of the PDF is like so great, so liberating. And now I, you know, I mean, I just, I, I really love when I, when you pause to look back at technology that dominated your technical life and is now completely dead, like essentially the fax machine, which yeah. is just about to be, and gleefully, I, I say goodbye to it, a dead piece of technology. And it's just, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm sure that there's some lamentability to some of these things going away, but there's I, none for the facts. Yeah, this idea, yeah I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel like if we could just stay digital, you know, when I'm on my, when I'm touring doing stand up, um, I use my iPad and I use the square technology to sell t-shirts and, and DVDs and stuff to my fans. And it's so empowering because I know a lot of comedians who used to do that, you know, um, when they would tour and they would, like, I remember when I first said, I want to, you know, have like a point of sale at my shows. And I went with a company that used to be my online, my, like my e-merchant handler. And they sent me literally one of those things where you slide it back and forth over a credit card. Yeah. They, like the, are those still legal? Can you do that? <laughs> they took yeah. a time machine to the Brady Bunch and brought it back. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Or they want like $5,000 to get a lease to some machine that yeah. you need an internet connection for and blah, blah, blah. It's nuts. I mean, I got it. It's like Square is – I want to like totally make out with that little Square thing. So um, what's so great is, the, is, again, it's just the technology makes life better. It makes life better for me because I have like total motility with – with all of my e-commerce. I don't sell that stuff to make money. It's mainly just so that fans have something to take home from a show and it's something I can sign for them and they can show their friends. And it, you know, people used to only have, be able to have cash with me. Now they can use their credit cards. They can get things for their friends. And that is, and they, I just hold up that iPad and they sign it with their finger and it's just delightful. And then they, they get an email with the receipt. It's just so sexy. Even saying it out loud, I feel a little aroused. Yeah, and then they yeah they sign it with their finger. Isn't this that great? Is so cool. Yeah. I mean, every so uh, back to the very brief story about the Tesla. We got in there and we were looking at the screen, and my husband goes, "Man, it's the future." And I I think it's like I I don't want to lose my in so much as I really want technology to be this kind of like background function that's always running. You know what I mean? Kind of underneath everything I'm doing without being the focus of my life. Every once in a while, it's awesome to stop and look around and see how powerful we are. And even just how much more powerful we are than like a year ago. But when I think about my first computer, and I, I've been a Mac person my entire life. My very first computer was a Mac Plus. It was my freshman year of college that I bought it. Um, I don't know if you remember the Mac Plus, but uh, it had yep. one, one floppy disk, one, one three and a half uh, inch slot. And you could either run a piece of software or save a document. So not both at the both. same time. Oh, yes. Yeah, so no, not both. Well, you could do the floppy shuffle. 
You could well, that stick it in, stick it out, and stick it in, and stick it out. Term paper, you'd be cycling discs like for forty-five <laughs> minutes trying to get a paper saved. Yeah. And now my phone is like probably better, better, faster with more storage than that computer by a factor of a thousand. Yeah. It's crazy. So I just I can't wait till I make an old lady in a rocking chair, and I'm like, when I was a kid, a phone was something you held in your hand. As I'm drinking, you and know, made phone calls on. Yes, and you called people and you interacted with them. You kids with your eye implants and your jetpack. Oh, they're still waiting for a jetpack. I feel like it's high time someone invented a jetpack. That's we're way do you, past do you, that. Do you really want the people that you know flying around in jetpacks? I mean. Oof. I mean, I, I, that's why we don't have flying cars. Do you really want those people that you see on the road texting and all that other stuff above you? Right. Although it may be easy, more easily avoided. BTW, we are about to have flying cars. Have you seen like the individual? Um, so every once in a while I have like fantasist, like we're well, not fantasists, but fantasizing moments. Like fantasists are liars. So if, like I'll have fantasy visits where I just look at stuff that I can't afford. That's awesome. So there are all these single person helicopters and single person planes out there that are like in like. The plane super, that converts to a car. Super beta. Yeah. Like I yeah. think that stuff is awesome. I want one of those so badly. I'm going to be like a, like Howard Hughes and live in the desert and fly like a single person helicopter around. Uh, that's like totally my like end life goal and like, you know, make a film every 10 years and fly my helicopter around in circles in the desert. Well, I'm convinced well, that I can handle it, but I don't want any of all these other people driving, flying around. Yeah, I, well, I'm with you. But luckily, and this is this sounds classist and elitist, most of them won't be able to afford it. <laughs> at least in the short term so if you can manage it do it now while the while the while skies are still free while the, while the low altitude skies are still open and free go crazy remember when all the proletariat was down on the ground <laughs> and the little people crawling around earthbound while i flew around in my one-man helicopter doing nothing of import and having nowhere to land <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, if you had a friend that had a phone number with a zero in it, it made you angry because you had to do the dial and wait for uh, the zeros fabulous. just took forever. Yes. You know, and the, the click, click, click. Oh, yeah. It's it's really amazing to me how far we've come. And even with the technology stuff, we we talk about this sometime. But when we first started producing the show, we did a um, episode on syncing your data and it was very complicated. I went back and listened to it the other day. It was like episode seven or something. Yes. And, and now syncing just happens without. Now you just get Dropbox. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's, it's the like, greatest. Yeah. It's the greatest. I, Dropbox is, I use Dropbox. I know that my husband heard about Dropbox on your show. And he, and so I, you know, I'll go away and then there will just be icons on my desktop, which is lovely. Just more crap for me to learn. But Dropbox has been another thing that has been so helpful in um, not just in crea- my creative life, but just in making my work simpler because I have so many devices. Um, you know, I'm not just a desktop worker that I'm never like, oh, that thing is on the other computer. You know what I mean? I've just never, yeah. that's, that, that's been the single best, you know, I, there's, I know there's security this and there's, you know, motility that, but for me, it's just like, I never, I'm like, I will get you that thing when I fly home. Cause I'm, I fly almost every week. And so I'm never like, well, when I get home on Monday, I'll get you that document. You know, that's been really wonderful as well. Have you done the trick where you go to the Dropbox app on your phone or your iPad and you just select the the um, the file and just email it to somebody? You- I uh, uh, what do I do? I usually just get the share links. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then you just send it to them. Yeah, it's so. I just some the other day. In fact, the uh, the ad spot we're going to do later about Text Expander. They're coming out with a new version for the phone, and I just did a fifty five um, megabyte video on how to, how it works. And the smile people said, Hey, could you send me where it's at? And I'm like, fine. I was like eating my taco, you know, mm-hmm. Boom. and 
just go to Dropbox, hit the button. Mm-hmm. I just sent a 55 megabyte file from my phone while I'm and I was at Chipotle. A pretty, right, yeah. and I was a pretty heavy use send it uh, user previously. I'm not knocking you send it. I think it's a great service, but it, it just eliminated another, you know, another destination, another client destination, just to have yeah. everything in Dropbox and be able to share everything all the time. And, um, you know, with the last music video that I directed, I wanted to deliver, you know, both high, high res and low res versions of the same video so that they could choose how they wanted to post it, how they wanted to use it. I wanted to give them a ro- really robust version of the video in case they wanted to screen it. Or, but most of the time now, music videos are created for the web, so you don't need to deliver such a, a, a like a data heavy, uh, you know, like a big uh, data heavy file. So I created these like. That's you know, so I, funny to me. Music videos are created for the web now. That's it. They don't. They don't ever. You don't see them there's, on TV anymore. There's no MTV. Or oh, there is MTV. They just don't uh, show music videos. Don't show music videos. It's reality TV now. Mm-hmm. And it's a waste of money anyway. I mean, if you're making a million dollar music video. Is it ever really airing on any on a station anyone's watching it? Everybody consumes videos on the internet. So what's great is it's really lowered the barrier to entry in terms of the amount of money you have to spend to make a video. Uh, and for a lot of bands who don't have these huge budgets, they can make really great art and get their get it to their fans and, and win new fans. But I wanted to deliver them. I had to deliver them four pretty hefty files, which would have been me sending and sending and uploading to the internet. And I just put them all in a Dropbox folder and sent them the link. And I was like, download these at your leisure, at your personal leisure. And know that this is available to you whenever you need it. And then I rode away on my emerald uh, broomstick. I thought you were going to see your personal hovercraft. Well, I'm waiting for it to be delivered and I'm very frustrated. The um, How prevalent is Dropbox in the entertainment industry at this point? Are, is, it, is, is the word getting out or is it still something just kind of the nerdy entertainers use? I think it's still pretty nerd driven. Um, you know, I use it a lot, but like when I've asked for files from other people, sometimes they'll want to FTP things. I think you said that it's still pretty common. Um yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I still have people come to me with like completely vintage technology requests. You know, can you fax that to me? And, you know, I mean, I'm really trying to avoid ever faxing anything ever again, unless it's like for fun. Like as a like, look how you put the, the paper in. And then, yeah, like look at you. I just Xerox my butt. You know, I don't, I just can't, I can't yeah. think of a situation in which I would ever like fax something voluntarily. I would probably scan my butt. Right. Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you would keep it's, it. It's Dropbox. hard to fit in the scan snap, David. I mean, are you? Can you, can you <laughs> All right. And then you create like a password protected PDF so you can only share it with people who you really care about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hell with it. I just put it on Dropbox. <laughs> just done with it. Oh, the, um, it's interesting that, you know, because Dropbox in geek circles, it's like the, the crown champion of, of syncing technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, Apple's trying to do stuff and mm-hmm. they're not even like as successful as Dropbox are. And partly because it's multi-platform and it's, and, and you know, Apple's vision is different, but mm-hmm. you know, it seems like it's just a fait accompli that, that Dropbox is the big winner. But then when you get out into the general public, you realize there's a whole lot of people who need these types of services who don't even know such a thing exists yet. Yeah, exactly. And it still is early days. I don't know where all this is going to go, but but you know, currently among the nerds, I mean, Dropbox is the big winner, but I don't know what that means in five years from now. You know, I think it's been really difficult for me because I, if I incorporate something into my life, it's really got to add value. Like that's really my my litmus test is. If I are, you a, are you a tinkerer or do you, you don't sound like a tinkerer. You find something that works and you stick with it. Yes, I do. I'm, I'm a loyalist in, in every aspect of my life. Um, and I don't, you know, 
like I'm going to use a couple of social platforms as an example, but the point I was going to make was that I, I, you know, if I'm going to take the time to incorporate a piece of, you know, technology or a social platform, it has to add value. It has to, my time invested has to be meaningful and it has to have some kind of return. As a result, I'm, I'm not reluctant, but I, you know, I'm not like the guy from the, you know, the guy in the movie up, but, um, I do, I'm, I'm slower to adopt because I'm just like, I can't give this an afternoon if like a, you know, month from now or six months from now, it's going to be obsolete. And so it's, I don't do a lot of, I wish I was better at being predictive. You know what I mean? In terms of like, I see where this is going and I see that in a year, this is either going to be incredibly meaningful and widespread or useless to me. So like, for example, right now I'm really dithering about Google plus. I don't see the value in it. It doesn't seem like a fun way to interact with people. Um, I don't quite understand how to use it and it doesn't feel compelling, but, but I don't know, maybe my predictive powers are poor. And in a year, everyone's gonna be like, how are you, why are you now just getting on Google plus similarly with vine? I do not understand vine. I think it's awful. Uh, I don't like those videos. They give me like a Pokemon style aneurysm and they're not Twitter. I know they're trying to do like a short form Twitter, but like tout is better. At least you can say something on tout. So, um, but maybe someone's going to go come to me and go, Aisha, in a year, like every, like the president will be communicating with the joint chiefs of staff on vine and you are going to be left in the dust. Um, I don't necessarily trust my predictive powers, but I know that whenever I look at a vine video, I want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> well, so. you know, I, I think though, that's, that's a good impulse is to say, you know, be careful about what you spend your time on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, as, as geeks and nerds, we, it's very easy for us to go down those, those rat holes. I, I do all the time. I'll, I'll find something new. And, uh, just for instance, we did a whole show on Alfred two, and I've been working with Alfred two now for a long time. And, and as you know, we did launch bar before. <laughs> yes, you know? did. And I then still I, use launch bar religiously. It's that's have, fine. That's great. Good, launch bar, launch I, bar I, is perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, and, and then, well, it's a, it is a great app. I, you don't need to switch. You're fine. Okay. You know, but because I couldn't help myself, I went to Alfred. Then uh, Merlin Mann, who comes on our show every once in a while, and oh, uh, he was telling... He was telling me how he's using Quicksilver again. And Quicksilver was the first, you know, the mother of all it was keyboard his first launcher apps. And so he's telling me how it's working and it's stable now. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh, I could go play with Quicksilver again. And then I'm like, wait a second. I don't have three hours to get those, you know, those memories back about how I use that app. And Alfred 2 is really good. So just just set, you know, set the gun down and move on. Right. And uh, Right. That's and, a good point. Don't you feel like it's like unless I'm seeing... This is always the calculation. This is the calculus, right? Is, this, is the tool I'm using now not serving my purposes? Now, that's not the same as like driving around like a 1997 like beater and being like, well, it gets me from here to there because probably your life would be better if you upgraded to a better car. But if the I'm going to drive a 1997 Toyota. Oh, rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Flintstone mobiles. They're like a hole. Can you see the ground through the floor? It's awesome. No, um, I can't yeah, but it, she didn't tell you that she has a 27-inch iMac installed in the dash. I have priorities. Ooh, I like that Frank, a Franken vehicle. Um, so, that, so like, is the tool that I'm using now like powerful enough to get done what I need to get done? And at, that, so, if but I start if I start to bump up against the limits of the tool, like I need to do that, and I can see that, but I can't get there with this tool. That's always when I move. 
Yeah. So, well, and I think that's your final cut problem is going to get there at yeah. some point. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to let you guys know, because the more I think about it, it it's like, I'm, it's like a fantasy of like sitting in my office, luxuriating in like tutorials, which I just have never done. I've never given myself a weekend to just learn stuff. I'm always like, go oh, pick things up on the way. Um, so that could be really fun. It does well, look pretty. We're going to call out to our listeners because our listeners are going to know the best tutorials. I'm sure there's – because we've got some really smart people. Mm -hmm. And just tweet Aisha and tell her which tutorials she should watch. Yes. Because I'm sure there's a lot of them. I know there's lynda.com. Mac Pro Video is really good. And I don't know. Did Don McAllister do this? I don't think Don's done Final Cut yet. Yeah. But there's some great stuff out there. So we'll have to get you the good ones and then you can get going. The ones that will enrich my life and not – uh, not be like a time suck where I'm like, oh, that I could have been making, I could have done, I could have made a, like a macaroni sculpture and instead I watched that video. Yeah. Must be, ma- art shark must be making at all times, must be creating. That's a really great term. Art shark? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to put it on a t-shirt for Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think it, um, it's now become like the governing uh, kind of mantra of my life, which is just, you know, to keep moving. And I, I think it's helpful no matter what business you're in or what you do. And it doesn't mean that you're reckless with creation, but it does mean that you don't let impediments or barriers affect your focus. You just solve problems constantly because it's very easy to get discouraged, especially if you're working on something that's large and, and you know, potentially either really positive or really cataclysmic to get mired in doubt or to get stuck on a speed bump. So, I'm very much about like, how do I solve this problem? I don't want to discuss the problem and I don't need to digest how it makes me feel. I just want to solve it and then keep going. And that's been very helpful. And that comes from my father, who is a very lovely man. Um, but when I broke my arm, I was like, oh, get back on your bicycle. Stop crying. So, um, you know, and then I did get back on my bicycle and stop crying until it swole up and turned purple. And then I was like, I think I should go to the hospital. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think part of that to me, I know in my personal experience is, is fear because I get something to a certain point and I can ship it or I can sit and fiddle with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I know I felt that with, um, with pa- when I did the paperless book, I, I was terrified because yes. I'd never done a self-published thing where it was like there was, you know, I wasn't working for the man. There was nobody I could blame if things just went to hell and nobody cared about it. It's and, exhilarating, isn't it? Ooh, it's yeah. like the taste of pennies. It's wonderful. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember vividly sitting here in the, I, you know, the iTunes publisher platform thingy and there was a button that said publish and I looked at it then I went and made tea and then I came back and looked at it again Mm -hmm. then I said you know I should probably just read the whole thing again I'm sure there's some some more typos you know Mm -hmm. you could just hear your brain just like figuring out excuses not to push the button and then I just pushed the button and walked away it's so exciting just hearing that story is exciting yeah. Oh, commitment. So, so this is a conversation I just had with my assistant today. It was a young kid and he's watching me go through publishing my second book and seeing how complex a process that is. And same thing, how many times we're going back and looking at the galleys and looking at the drafts and, you know, second guessing and rethinking. And I said, here's another kind of pablum cliche, you know, that concept of you can never stick your finger in the same river twice. You know, it's always moving. It's like yeah. with art at some point, you just decide that it's done. It's not done. It's never done. But you just decide that it's done and you move on and you make new things so that you don't lament whatever could have been or should have been with that original piece of art. And you, you, you have to just decide that this is this piece of art in this moment right now. 
And that's all that can be said about that. <laughs> and um, and that was that's was a picture of me and my brain and my ideas at that moment in my life. And if I had written it five years later or five years earlier, it would have been a different bizarre, but it was written at that time. And then I pushed publish. And hooray, I made a book, which is so awesome. Yeah, and this is self-inflicted wounds, this new book? Yeah, so self-inflicted wounds coming out in June. Uh, July, July 9th, July 9th, July 9th. Um, and it's, uh, you know, my, my podcast has a segment at the end where every guest tells a self-inflicted wound story. And this is a story from their lives about something that went terribly wrong. That's their own fault. So, you know, bad things happen to you that somebody teased you or bullied you or whatever. This is like, I really messed up there and I can't point the finger at anybody but myself. And they range in tone and subject matter from everything to, you know, I did too many shots in college and said this awful thing to, uh, I got my first big job and I bought a motorcycle and I erected a block from work and broke my collarbone to, um, I liked a girl and I went skinny dipping with her and then the cops showed up and I was humiliated and every little thing in between. And what's been great about these stories is there, you know, to Michael K. Williams told a story about having a drug relapse during The Wire and what that did to him and his character and how he felt about himself at the time. So these stories are really about you see these iconic personalities and they've done extraordinary things and you think they're perfect and none of them are perfect and it humanizes them. But beyond that, you know, you talked about fear and artistic fear and I think creative fear can affect you even if you're a technological, if you're, you know, developing a technology, anything is that you, I have people come to me all the time and they say, well, I want to be an artist or I want to be a comedian or whatever, but I'm afraid I'm going to fail. And I always tell them, well, you know what? You probably are going to fail. That's a part of the process of developing yourself as an artist. You need to stipulate to the concept that you are going to fail, put both feet in, push hard, fail over and over again, and learn every time so that every time you're tougher and stronger and you trust yourself more and nothing can hurt you. Because once the worst thing that you expect can happen to you, happens to you, it, you become fearless. And I always talk about comedians and I say, you know, you never get funnier by killing. When you destroy, you go home and you, you know, high five all your friends and you do shots. But when you bomb, you re-examine every life choice you've made from the time you were born until the time you stepped on that stage. And that makes you a stronger, tougher, better artist. So the book is about embracing failure and what you can learn from failure. And then also it's just a bunch of really funny stories about things I've done awfully wrong since the time I was five years old. So if you just want to wallow in schadenfreude for 300 pages and just laugh at how Aisha almost set herself on fire and almost killed herself on a hobby horse and, you know, all of my many dating mishaps and all my many creative mishaps, you can just read it and laugh. But it's meant to encourage bravery in others um, and to tell you that, yeah, don't not do something because you're afraid to fail because you are going to fail and who cares? You're better than the guy who didn't do it because he was afraid to fail because you did it. And that makes you better. And when you're lying on your deathbed, you're going to be like, remember that time when I bought a motorcycle and I wrecked it? That was awesome. Yeah. The, you know, it's, there's so much truth to that. I, I feel like no matter what you do, whether it's something creative or, you know, whether you make French fries for a living, you, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. Yes. Bravery is, you know, this just, this is so treacly. I'm sorry, but it's like, there's just such a finite amount of time here. Like, just be brave. Be brave. And every time I do something, I'm like, well, am I going to die? I'm probably not going to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, the, that's pretty much the basic interior question. Now, if I'm skydiving, maybe I might die. That, that's, that's a possibility. But I'm not going to die because I write a script or because I try to make a music video or because I get out on stage. And, and I said, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to be bad at it. And then you'll decide whether you want to try to get better at it or whether you want to quit. 
Well, and the thing is, we don't live in a world full of saber-toothed tigers. No. Uh, f- failure but for us. Be awesome if we had jet pads and saber-toothed tigers. <laughs> Both, <laughs> and, right? and lightsabers, that, that combination of things. Well, you know, with the proper technology, all that could be possible. <laughs> but but my, my point is that the fear that people have and, and the fear, you know, it, this is about humiliation mm-hmm. and um and not succeeding at something. It's it's not usually about if I don't do this right, I'm going to die. It's usually if I don't do this right, um, I'm publicly going to look like a fool. I'm going to feel like I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the fact is, almost nobody cares. No. You know, it, no. It, it really is true. I mean, you know, that nobody, if, if I do something and it's so terrible that I just fall flat on my face, maybe a few people will have a giggle. Uh, some other people will try and pick me up and the other people are just going to go on with their day. So it really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Just go for it. Just do it. And there's something so lovely. And I don't care what you, like you said, if you're writing a book or making French fries or writing a piece of software or developing a game or I don't know, crunching numbers, whatever you're doing, the, the, like try to find a way that 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 thing can be a delight, like doing it well will be a delight. You know, I mean, there are millions of things I've written that no one's ever going to see or read that were so delightful to create that when I was doing them, I was just like beside myself. And like, you're right. You know, if you do something great, people will notice. If you do something bad, probably no one's really going to pay attention to it. You know, you can't lose. And then you did it. You learn from it and you move on, you know? Yeah. Uh I want to go down to the mundane again, though. I want to talk a little bit about what this, what you're using to pull some of this stuff off, because with all these different hats you're wearing. But before we do, I want to talk once again about Smile, our exclusive sponsor today. And as I teased you earlier, they have something new coming out in a week that's going to be awesome. And if you've used Text Expander before, you know that this is the, the great application that allows you to write a short snippet of text and have it expand into a great big bunch of text. So you could do something simple like type C-C-E-L-L and it would immediately expand to your cell phone number. Or you could say, like in my case, X attorney fee clause, and it expands to this three paragraph clause I put in contracts when I write them. So whatever it is you do, if you write text more than once, it's really helpful. A lot of people use it for email, for instance, and we'll probably talk about that, Aisha, how you do your email, because I'm sure you get a lot of it. But either way, so you've got all these great snippets, and then they made this application for the iPhone, and it's called Text Expander Touch. And when they did it, everybody said, how are you going to make Text Expander work on the iPhone? Because it's a sandboxed platform. You can't make an app that can work in other apps. And that's the whole idea of Text Expander is that you're in your word processor and you type a snippet and it pops up. Well, that won't work on the iPhone. Well, they figured a way to do that. And they released a software development kit. So all the app developers that we love, you know, the people who make some of our favorite apps, incorporate this into their app. So all that your text expander snippets automatically populate into your text, uh, into your iPhone or your iPad application. So then we said, hey, Smile, we, we don't just want that. We want the ability to automatically grab all of our snippets from our Mac and have them automatically show up on our iPad and iPhone. And about a year ago, they did that. They used Dropbox, of course. So now all those snippets that you make on your Mac automatically sync down to your iPhone. And if you make them on your iPhone, they sync back up to your Mac, which is even, even cooler. So then we said, hey... Uh, smile, you did something else. And on the Mac, they have this thing called fill-in snippets where you can make a form where you trigger the snippet and it'll have a blank in there. So it could say, dear blank, you know, thank you for writing me about blank. If you'd like to call me, you can call this number and then you can have a pop-up menu with three different phone numbers and you can pick which one. Well, you've always been able to do that on the Mac. 
Now with the new version of Text Expander Touch coming out next week, you can do that on the iPhone, which is awesome. You can also do rich text, you know, so if you have bold underlying italics, that comes over to the iPhone too. So all the great features that we love on uh, Text Expander for the Mac now works for Text Expander Touch on the iOS devices. This is all really great. It's version two. It looks awesome. I've been using it for a month and I could never go back now. I love those fill-in snippets. You can even create the fill-in snippets on the iOS device. So you can make one on your iPad if you're in a pinch. Everything works just fine. And guess what? It's free. So if you've already bought uh, if you've heard about version one of Text Expander Touch, this upgrade is free, I guess I should say. The app still costs. If you've not purchased it, you need to go buy it. But now's the time to go get it because next week they're going to drop this great update. Uh, I'm going to have a video out on it. There's going to be a whole lot more about it. Uh, we were able to convince them to let us tell the Mac Power users, uh, uh, listeners about it first. So you guys are in here ahead of the game. Now's the chance to get Text Expander Touch and just have a great time with this new app. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you use Text Expander? No, I don't. Oh, you you got to try it because for someone like you, it's going to make things so much easier. Any any kind of text you write more than once, you just create a snippet and fill it in. Yeah, that's rad. And I I have a an app for my non Mac phone, for my Android phone called, um, oh God, what is it? It's like it's a text. It's like they're like their native uh, typing. Uh, app is like not that strong. And so I brought one in from outside. I can't remember the name right now because I'm not looking at my Android phone. But it learns, it goes and it goes out to all your, you link it to all your social media and it learns all of your terms, your quirks, your abbreviations, and then just starts to autocomplete sentences that it knows that you type all the time, which is similar, but not as awesome as this because it's like a little baby app for my phone. But that would be much more powerful for my computer, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, and this just, it really grows as you build on it. I've got literally thousands of these snippets I create, and they become second nature for mm -hmm. you. And and it does things like spelling correction. I mean, you can do anything you want with it. If you want to get really nerdy, they've got Apple script support and, and shell scripts and all this stuff. People have done some crazy stuff with this app. But uh, what I really like about it is just the ability to very quickly generate large amounts of text. That's so excellent. Yeah, so so everybody go check it out. Text Expander Touch 2.0. Katie, you've been using the beta as well. I have, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's really great. And I just love that they did this. It's a version two, but it's not a paid upgrade. So you can just download it when the upgrade comes out. And uh, if you haven't tried it yet, really go check it out. There's over 100 different apps now on iOS that support Text Expander. So uh, it's really useful. In fact, for me, it's kind of a, a non-starter if there's a text app that I want to look at and it doesn't support text expander, then I move on to the next one. So, so thanks smile for supporting the show and everybody go check out text expander touch. It's going to be really great. That's awesome. So Aisha, what, what other cool nerdy tools are you using that, that help you get your work done? Cause you're really, really busy. What do we need to know about? How do you do it? God, I want to, I want to be like, I discovered this thing, but I feel like everything I use is stuff I learned on your show. You were asking me about managing my email. Well, just um, ask David Wayne, everything you usually learned about from David Wayne. That's what, I know, I know. That's what Rob Cordry said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, I have like a workflow management, um, like process for my email, which I never did before, which is I made, uh, and I feel like I got this from your listening to your show. I, I'm sure I did. I make folders for all of my email. I wrote rules for all of my emails. When they come in, they get diverted to folders immediately um, so that my inbox has never, literally has never more than 10 emails in it at a time. That's, uh, such, so, that's so critical. Because it's incredible. If you look at the inbox and it's got 100 messages in it, you just turn it off and you just, go yeah, have a drink. Deal. You can't even deal. And also what happens is, if you don't have a hierarchy, like setting up all the rules for me, 
um, set like a clear hierarchy for things that needed to be responded to quickly and things that could be, you know, set aside. And as a result, I'm much more responsive, much more effective. Um, and my, and just when I open my email every day, it's just not, I don't freak out. And so people who need responses quickly always get them. And I, I get a lot of people who say, God, I can't believe how responsive you were. And that's because of me setting up these folders and these rules. Now I have a lot of nested folders and my husband thinks I have too many folders, but it just helps me organize my life and everything gets filed, like read and filed almost immediately. If, that it, if a rule wasn't applied right away, I look at it, I immediately file it. Just the critical, urgent things get kept in that top level folder. And I clear that thing every single day. Now, do you do that with Apple Mail rules? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Simple, plain yep. old mail rules. And it's and so, so you've well. got like your, you said you have your Mac Pro on a desk somewhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's always connected to the internet and probably running those rules for you all the time. All the time. All the time. So it just all filters through. That's probably yep. awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, all my devices are synced. And so, you know, what happens one place happens everywhere. And, uh, and I've conformed, you know, use, done what I had to do to make sure that my Android devices synced to, you know, kind of my Apple devices are dominant, but my Android device picks up everything it needs to from those devices as well. And yeah, if it's IMAP, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. So, that, I mean, that really changed my life. That changed my life. And I'm just so much more effective when I look and I have five emails to respond to and not 55. Have you ever been, uh, looking at your mail app? I do this occasionally where I'm sitting there working on a mail and I'll see a new message comes in for like a second Mm-hmm. It's just long enough for me to see that it's like from some marketing dork that, you know, wants me to talk about something and, and it's there for a second, then it gets marked as red and it disappears. Yes. And I know where, I know where it goes. So it's not just entirely lost, but it's gone to a place where I'm not going to be looking any time in the near future. Mm-hmm. And it just feels kind of good knowing that it's no longer <laughs> your life. I know what you mean. It does. It's a, it's a relief to know that these things are operating in the background, making your life easier. You know, the minute, two minutes, three minutes it takes to set up those rules. Just, you know, it's like I finally hired someone to, I had to finally hire someone to make my life a little bit easier um, because it just, I was kind of drowning under the weight of, of clerical things like making travel arrangements and making sure I had, a, you know, like plane tickets. And so now I have somebody to do that stuff for me and that's great. Um, but then, you know, these other things on my computer may, are, literally just winnowing away the noise. You know what I mean? Like literally the white noise that was making me less effective as an artist. And, uh, and it is so great to just not even be worried about that stuff. Like I know if it's important, I'm going to see it. And if it's not important, I'm not going to see it. And then when I have time to go look at it, I go look at it. Yeah. That's, that's what you need. Now, now how do you manage the projects? Like you've got a videos you're making, you're writing books. Do you have a way to track what you're doing with all this stuff? I'm so boring. So, um, you know, I just keep a calendar and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm obsessive. I calendar obsessively. And so I use Calvetica on my phone and I, you know, I keep all of my to do's and all of my scheduling, my travel and everything that I need just, you know, it's calendared. So I can see at a glance and then other people in my life who need to see can see at a glance what I'm doing. Um, and everything, you know, I, I, nothing like nothing critical or personal, but like, you know, in terms of just my schedule and knowing what's happening, I, I calendar everything and everything lives in one, one big document. So is it a, is it an Apple calendar or Google or how do you do it? Google. Okay. And now for instance, like a video, you're going to have a daily shoot the video, then you're going to have 
time to edit the video? Is that just two different calendar entries? Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, it's, it's very simple. You know, I'll have a banner if it's over days, you know, over these days you're shooting over these days you're editing. Um, you know, it's color coded. So deadlines are in red. Um, and then I've got colors that relate to the podcast colors that relate to my different, you know, television shows. Uh, and it's very clear things that my assistants put in are color coded. So I know where, you know, what the origins of everything was. And, um, and, and then every day, I mean, I, I'm really obsessed with effectiveness I really need some psychological assistance, but I'm obsessed with being effective. So literally like my, my self-esteem and my, and my emotional state is entirely tied to whether I killed my to-do list on a day or didn't. Like on the, if I get to the end of the day and I've done everything on my to-do list, I'm, I feel like a champion. Um, but I manage all of my to-dos in that way. Like I look at my list in the morning, what's got to get done. And I'm also, you know, I, I'm, I filter. So I'll look at all the things on day and I'll go, no, these things are critical. These things can move. And, um, what's really funny is the way that a lot of people go onto their phone and play like solitaire, or, you know, whatever words or whatever. I like love to look at my phone and like play with my calendar. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, with, with me, my, you know, my poison is omnifocus. It's like, I'll sit down and start planning projects out my in three husband weeks. husband loves omnifocus. Yeah. Um, yes, he loves it. He uses it because uh, I know it does. It has like it alerts and it pings and it kind of um, will like move things around for you. But a part of the fun for me of calendaring is, you know, it's like a big uh, like game of Tetris. And I like to move all my blocks around and touch them and reread them and reassess them. And so um, it's a very simple, it's a very kind of analog approach to calendaring for me. But so as long like as it works, it works for you. Yeah. So your calendar basically becomes your to-do list. Mm-hmm. Everything. You, you, you block and you schedule out your time. That makes yeah. sense for someone who has a, as crazy a schedule as you do. It's also nice because the few people in my life who need to know what I'm doing can all look in one place. Um, Don't bug her. She's using Final Cut. Yes, exactly. Just like there's a, that's like a skull and crossbones over the entire thing. Um, but, you know, if they need to know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing, if they need to schedule something on my behalf, they can see what, what I'm up to, which is nice. It's and, really paralyzing when you have so many things on your plate and you don't have an easy way to manage them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with geeks, it becomes a whole level of distraction. It's because now they're saying, OK, well, I, I need a system and I need a way to manage all this mm-hmm. stuff. And rather than doing anything, they're going to spend weeks and weeks looking, making a comparison study of all the different tools mm-hmm. to manage the things and and then they're going to reload their data six or seven times. It really is. That is difficult also because it's, I mean, you just articulated it perfectly. It's like, I, I will, if I'm looking at a piece of new, a new piece of technology, I'll try it for a day. If it's seamlessly easy to use, I will keep using it. If I'm struggling with technology, I will abandon it. So, um, because I don't have the hour or, you know, that one or six hours to invest in, learning new technology so I can then get to work. Um, and that's why I, I mean, that's really why I, your show has been so influential in a lot of my life because my husband is so dedicated to it. And I listen to it quite a bit is because I'm like, someone's evaluated this on my behalf and they are, they give it a glowing review. And so I'll then try it. And then I'll just, you know, I mean, I, I was using a couple other calendar clients like, you know, and they just weren't great. Um, and I'm actually really enjoying Calvetica. That's that's been working great for me. I you know I think the native iPhone calendar app is poopy. Yeah. Uh, Anybody, <laughs> yeah, any company named Mysterious Trousers can only make great things. Oh, it's it's oh, it's it's be- bested only by the company Buddha Jones. I think those are the two best. Mysterious Trousers and Buddha Jones are my two favorite yeah. company names. 
Yeah. How do you do all of your your writing? Because your your books and all of the the posting that you do, how do you manage all your writing? You'll die of boredom. So uh, my long form writing for my book, I just did in Word because I understand it. It's just easy okay. to use. I've always understood it. it the markup the, the the markup view was really helpful for me when I was kicking edits back and forth with my editor. Um, just really, really helpful to track changes and also to write either uh, helpful and uh, clever fun notes or uh, like notes, little notes of rage when I didn't like what she'd done to <laughs> parts of my book. I could write all caps very furiously in the, in the margins. Um, I write my scripts in final draft, um, which, by the way, I haven't actually started using it yet, but they've got an app for the iPad now, which I'm really excited about um, because it was really frustrating that you could only ever work in that program on, you know, a, like a, a full, like robust computer. So I'm really excited about that. You'd be traveling. And if you wanted to fiddle and diddle with a script, you could make changes. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Everybody we talk to who uses Final Cut, nobody's happy about it. Mm-hmm. No, it it's seems like just, it's just the industry standard. So everybody uses it, but um, there's a lot of frustration. And I think because it's the industry standard, there are, there's been no competitor that's been as effective and it's everybody uses it and people in town use it. You know, I mean, it's like the Avid, you know, it took a really long time for people to transition from the Avid to Final Cut because it just everybody in town was using it. Everybody understood it. And, you know, it's this is not a town that's quick to a- adopt new technology. Um, you know, even the, these big directors, they've got to be these kind of creative leaders and saying like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shoot this whole film digitally, you know, like Michael Mann has done or, you know, Steven Soderbergh has done because, you know, it's just a very rotational inertia in Hollywood's very intense. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I've looked at other script writing programs and I haven't liked them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think there's any good answer in that world right now. And then I actually write a lot in text edit because I use notational velocity and I keep all my text-based notes in Dropbox. And so I, I, because I'm a comedian, I'll think of something funny. I'll write it, you know, in Notesy on my phone. It ends up at Dropbox. I open it and text edit at home. So um, I do just a lot of like really simple text jotting of notes that just live in my cloud and I can find anywhere I go. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I mm-hmm. think that text is really a thing these days mm-hmm. and uh, people are using it because it solves the multi-platform problem mm-hmm. that we have. You know, we've got all these devices. You've got, you've said you've got an Android and an iPhone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've got a Mac and you probably hooked up to a PC at some point with the various jobs you have. So I try to avoid PCs as much as possible. As far as I'm concerned, they should go the way of the fax machine. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I used to get excited about that stuff. I don't think I even care anymore. It's, you know, it's just you have no emotional reaction to it. It's, you know, the platforms anymore are web based. It's it's what can you get to on the web and Dropbox works everywhere. And if if you really love Windows, go nuts. You right. know, it doesn't right. it doesn't really matter. But the um, really, I mean, the mobile stuff is so much more interesting right now, even though it's not quite as powerful. Mm-hmm. But and I guess there's some new exciting things happening on that side of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, as far as I can tell, I haven't really tried any of it, but it looks pretty in commercials and lots of people are dancing. looks exciting. Yeah. And clicking. A lot of clicking. Clicking and dancing and the guy's like crumping and then he's break dancing. So I, it seems as if he's really excited about the innovations in the Windows platform. And it, it seems like it's worthwhile. But yeah. I'm, just a, I'm, I'm just a Mac person just through and through until the very end. And uh, it's in my DNA. It's the only computer I've ever owned. How and did that start? Did, did when you were a kid or when you were in college, did, did your Dar- parents buy Macs or how did, how did you get to be a geek? Dartmouth had a computer 
purchase program for all of their students. And I think it was initiated probably in, you know, by Apple or in partnership with the school, which is that you got a, a loan if you bought, you know, you got a loan and you got a special student price if you bought a Mac. And at the time, I think PCs were pretty inaccessible, but Mac went after that college, that collegiate market like early and aggressively. And so just every computer I've ever purchased has been, I've just, I just upgrade, I've just upgraded every three years since I was 18. And, um, and then when I started to want to write and cut and, and shoot, there was just only one. I mean, yeah. so there's only one answer for that. So much of the great creative tools are, are Mac based. Yeah. I mean, even with my podcast, I record to an iPad, you know, my, my triple redundancy, which is not very sophisticated as I just, set my iPhone and my iPod touch down and just get backups just at, you know worst case scenario if my primary recording fails i've got backups and um and honestly the sound quality's sound quality of my iPhone touches iPod touch is actually pretty good um that's another reason why you should just start using your devices and get rid of that funny recorder you can yeah. just record right on an, an app to your to your phone it's a Zoom H4, by the way. I looked it All up. All right. Ooh. Zoom. It was the Zoom. It's a nice, it's a nice little machine, but I, I don't use it enough to really justify the 200 bucks I spent on it. But, well, and that's, but you know what I think we should do? Now. I think we should spend another 200 bucks on, you know, all the stuff that we need to make our iPads and iPhones do that. Right? Yeah. Because that'd be but, fun. But the great thing is if you upgrade your input hardware, you can continually upgrade your destination hardware and software, which you'll be doing anyway, but your yeah, preference right, will right. stay the same. But that little H Zoom two four HP point twenty three. Um, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be verging on obsolete by now, right? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think they sell it anymore, David. I'm looking at it, and it's not yeah. so. The um, the other thing about the Mac that I think is really telling is the software and, and the Mac just attracts these developers. And we've had some of them on the show. I mean, Craig Hockenberry and some of these guys who are just, they just make brilliant software. And I just never get that feeling when I work on a windows computer, there's nobody that's, you know, it's usually these small guys that are very passionate about making something amazing that, that will ship something beautiful uh, in the software business. And it seems like that those people are generally in the Mac space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, I think there are probably exciting things happening in that world. And I don't want to be dismissive, you know, and say that it's a, to me, I, when I was younger, I felt so strongly that that was a really derivative yeah. platform. And I, I think they're trying to innovate now in a way that they weren't previously. Um, well, even yeah, if you look at what they've done in the mobile space, I think that it's very interesting mm-hmm. what they did with windows mobile. It, it wasn't a knockoff. In fact, yeah. Uh, if the rumor sites are correct, uh, the next version of iOS is going to look more like Windows Phone with the more of that flat design than Windows ever looked like iOS, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. And I, I mean, I, I think that you know, you, I don't have to be. I said I would had terrible predictive powers, but I don't think you have to be a psychic to see that, you know, for the the, the devices that are going to impact the masses, the end user masses most is the handheld device, is the phone, is the, is yeah. the, that, that, that is really where, and the fact that there are so many people, things that I do on my phone now that I would have used my laptop for two years ago, you know, and I'm, I'm like an active like generator of like, you know, bulky content, but for the average person, you know, they don't even need a computer or a tablet. They just need a phone. You know, that my Android is, you know, like a phablet, you know what I mean? It's like, half, you know, it's huge. It's, and, and people make fun of me all the time. But like, if I wasn't making stuff, that would be plenty of computer. 
It gets everything yes. done. So you like that big screen. It's hilarious. I love it. It's like holding up a, like a shoebox to your head. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> now, now you've got like, because I understand you, you are going to be hosting the new Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes. Yes. So that launches on July. That's 16th. awesome. Yeah. It's I, lo- pretty I love that show so much. I mean, Me that's, too. it's one of those shows that I can watch with my kids and we can just all enjoy together. You can, you can, I hope yeah. so. I mean, it's a little racier than it might've been on the, on the ABC. That's okay. It's for, they're older now. Yeah. There you go. If they're teenagers, it'll be perfect. Cause it's still safe for kids, like for older kids. But, um, you know, I loved that show in its first iteration and, um, Colin and Wayne and Ryan are back and they're, amazing. Oh, really? yeah, they're Excellent. amazing together. Yeah. And, um, I felt so grateful and, and honored to be asked to step in for Drew and just want to like, you know, I can't be him, but just, you know, we're excited to be a part of it and watch these guys work. And, uh, we just finished recording the shows and they're in, insanely funny. And I, I mean, they're going to have to cut, like, they're gonna have to like, kind of like go in and like razor my voice out. Cause I'm like laughing just like an idiot the whole time. But, um, they were amazing to watch. It was amazing to be a part of. And, you know, it's been off the air for 12 years but what's amazing was that the fans who showed up were all like in their 20s. So people are finding the show on YouTube in the interim. Yeah. And uh, so I'm really excited because I feel like, you know, there, maybe there was a worry that all the people who watched it, it got old. But there's a whole new generation of fans of the show. And I think the people who loved it before are going to watch it now. And all these new fans are coming to it. And it's going to be awesome. We have a lot of really great guests, improvisers. And just these guys are like magicians. You can't believe when you watch them. People so, so put your put your geek hat on for mm-hmm. a minute. So you you get this gig where you're going to be hosting this this show, mm-hmm. a sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you use your technologies to kind of get you ready for that, or does it have anything to do? Or you just show up and and be the yeah, host? Yeah, it's very analog that 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 experience. In fact, I really wanted them to you know we, we use cards to present the the games and the concepts, and I really wanted us to move to an iPad. That was a big pitch I had, but. Um, some of the producers on the show are decidedly less technology uh, savvy, and I think it made them feel nervous. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping if we go another season, I'll, I'll get to work off of an iPad. But, um, you know, the thing that people should know about the show is that it, it truly is made off, off the top of their heads. And, in fact, they sequester those guys away from – because we have special guests that come on. They're not allowed to see the special guests until the minute they walk out on set um, – we, when we do camera blocking, you know, I'm working off like a set of like diversion cards just so that, you know, we remind everybody about the structure and the rules of the games, but they don't get any suggestions or hints until the minute they step out there. And they are amazing. Amazing. Like Wayne got some suggestion for some song and with like a Nicki Minaj and he was like doing Nicki Minaj's voice and her mannerisms while he was making up a song to music he never heard before and lyrics off the top of his head and it's like we watch and it's like a math problem it's like insane so well that guy is just so funny anyway yeah but it seems like on that whose line is anyway that was like his element yes yes he's all three of them Colin Ryan and Wayne are, are just masters at this particular art form and they've been doing it a long time and they're just superlative at it so um, that starts airing in July I wish I could say I was very technological but all I did was just tweet about it and Instagram I just, yeah, I <laughs> just curious you know I just Instagram from said and I I went on YouTube to familiarize myself with all the games and um, so yeah, very 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 low low tech in that way well I mean I, I would think that as a performer in a lot of ways you you don't have an opportunity to incorporate these technologies you're using into your life because the stuff is handed to you. Yes, yes. And, you know, when you're, you know, hopefully if you're in a situation where the, sh- the product 
project you're on is well run, people have thought of everything and you can just get, go there and be, you know, funny. Um, but that's fine because I'm, I'm lucky that I have a lot of creative complexity in my life. So when I'm generating things, that's when I'm immersed in technology. But when I'm showing up to be, a, you know, a host or, you know, doing my daytime show or doing Archer, you know, it's very analog. I'm speaking into a microphone and using my brain, all my brain holes. Yeah, well, and that's something we haven't even mentioned is you do a voice on Archer. Mm-hmm. Was it, It's Lana, I forget her last Lana, name. Lana Kane. Yeah, Lana Kane, <laughs> the yeah. ex-girlfriend. Yeah. That's a great show. But, you know, so you do this stuff, and, and that's something kind of goes around in geek circles. Everyone's all, there's this meme where everybody says, well, you know, I don't need any task management, blah, 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 because I want to be creative. Well, I feel like that having those kinds of things in your life give you the ability to put everything down and be creative and 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 do that stuff when the time calls for it. But that's just me. Well, uh, my 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 strategic philosophy has always been, and that really started, I think, from a creative perspective when I was on Talk Soup because we would we would write, we would do a lot of writing on that show. And when you watch it, it doesn't seem like it's written at all. But we would um, spend the whole afternoon going over the clips and writing jokes and figuring out a structure for the show so that we could throw it away when the show happened. And I think that if you are prepared and you've planned for everything, then you have no insecurity about tossing everything in the trash because you know you can recover if something goes differently than you planned. Um, So to me, you know, having, you know, a strong, secure, thoughtful approach to your workflow enables you to throw out your plan with utter confidence that you're not going to then go off track. You know, until this moment, I had no idea how much recording an episode of Talk Soup is like performing a cross examination. <laughs> exact same thing. Yeah. Prepare, 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 and then just punt it yeah. whenever you need to. Exactly, because you know you can always get back on on path. And um, yeah. and so that's a you know that's something that I've brought to everything else, which is that I try to be as thoughtful about how I approach something as I can, and try to think of contingencies and and try to anticipate. So that I can just be an artist when the time comes. That so is I, a great way to finish the show. Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know. I think so, too. I am <laughs> so impressed with everything that you've been able to do. And you obviously have, have geek cred. And it just, uh, it, it just amazes me that you're, you're able to keep all of these balls up in the air and, and, and do everything. And, and no, nothing seems to come crashing down. You, you've really got it all together. <laughs> that's I I love that that is how it appears and I will I will take it I'm very flattered um my husband and I have a joke around our house where um one of us will ask the other one what are you doing and then we'll say oh I'm trying to get my blank together and then both of us will laugh hysterically and like fall on the floor and like throw our legs in the air um because <laughs> I always feel like I'm uh like 90% of the way towards having my hands around everything but um I think the pursuit of having it all together is actually kind of, uh, and exhilarating. So, um, I don't know. And then, you know, I always think about this, you know, when you agonize about, Oh, I'm lazy or I'm ineffective. You think truly lazy and ineffective people are not lamenting it. They're just like lying on the couch watching television. So yeah. if you're aware of the fact that you're not as effective as you want to be, it's probably because you're super effective. <laughs> right. If you are, uh, if you're putting down bonbons watching Zach and Cody, then you're lazy. Yeah. If you're if you're sitting there saying, "Oh, I'm so lazy," you're probably not that lazy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
So what's what's the best place? Where should we send everybody to find all of the collective wonderful things that you do? AishaTyler.com, um, which is a multifaceted w- uh, website experience where you can find uh, statements from me and you can also find my podcast, Girl on Guy. You can find my live tour dates. So I'm going to be touring all over the country this year, including doing live shows with Archer uh, through the end of 2013. You can pre-order my book. You can subscribe as a premium subscriber to my podcast, get t-shirts, all that fun stuff. That's great. And then, I'm, you, know, and then you can also find my Twitter and Facebook uh, URLs there as well. That's, that's all things Aisha is at AishaTyler.com. Built on WordPress and maintained by yours truly. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we will wrap it up there. And we've talked about a lot of stuff in this show. So we, we will did. hopefully, hopefully have links to everything we talked about in the show notes, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash this is show 137. Uh, notice I didn't say backslash there, David. You didn't correct me the last time I did that, and I got lots of grief about me. that on Twitter. It's always my fault. It's okay. I know. Don't worry about it. Um, or our I feel website. Like there's only one slash that ever occurs in a URL. There's only oh. one slash. Oh, I Nerds. said HTTP colon something something, and you know, boom. All boom. It, it erupted. It erupted. Um, or we're at MacPowerUsers.com, um, and you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Floyd. David is at Max Sparky, and you are. At Aisha Tyler. And the internet is full of reprobation. So everybody out there, write something nice to Katie about something she did on the show. And don't judge her (laughs) for her slash syntax. That's what I Terrible backslasher. Oh, Oh, I know. At Aisha Tyler, come say hi. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And um, we will see you all next time. 